This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. I am so glad that we are so close to Thanksgiving. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. That's my home here, as is AM 950 Radio. The Voice of Progressive Minnesota. It's a joy to be with you today. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Let me know what you're going to be doing for Thanksgiving. Let me know what you think about these midterms. Yes, politics, we still have it on the brain, even though the Democrats have a majority in the Senate. A slender, but it's still a majority. They need this Warnock win for so many reasons. You know you need 51 votes to clear these federal um, appointees to the bench. He would be the 51st vote. All of these, even that is how Donald Trump was able to reshape the federal bench, the judiciary, and the judiciary going all the way down through our state courts because he had more than 51 votes. You didn't need a, you need, didn't even need to worry about the filibuster. So what we need to do is get this. We need this. We need this seat. But people need to know that there is an election starting on November 28th, concluding on December 6th. So we're going to be talking about that today, the mechanics of voting, but really the importance of this seat. No one's really talking about it as much. After Nevada and and Arizona were decided, they said, well, you know, the Democrats got it. No, 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 no. If you want these court appointments to come through from President Biden, we need that 51st vote. If you want to mitigate cinema and mansion, we need that 51st vote. There is so much that is tied up in uh, Raphael Warnock's win in Georgia, and we're going to be talking about that today. On the Santita Jackson Show, of course, John Nichols will be joining us in the second hour to talk about that. But we have a tremendous panel who will help us to weigh in. And I want to hear your thoughts, because many people have also said that Georgia is the opening salvo of the 2024 election. What do you think about that? What does this portend? The Republicans thought they'd have 60 seats, that kind of surplus in the House of Representatives. That did not happen. And yet. Most of the Trump-endorsed candidates did win by an overwhelming majority, at the low end at 80 percent, on the high end at 90 percent. Yeah, so there's a lot going on here. I don't care what the corporate media are telling you. The numbers are there. We, we read them to you last week from Ballotpedia. He won, and he has built an infrastructure from the bottom up. We need to look at that. And remember, all of these races are being decided by very slender margins. America is really in different camps. So we got to talk about that today. And I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Let me know what you got cooking for the holiday. Are you thawing that turkey already? Have you gone to Popeye's to get one of those turkeys? I hear they're great. Call me at 773-763-9278-773-763. WCPT. Chicago will have a high of 50 degrees and sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 36 degrees, partly cloudy. In the NBA, the Timberwolves were triumphant over the heat, 105 to 101. And the Bulls, well, there was kind of like a rout over the Celtics, 121 to 101. In the NFL last night, the 49ers. 
38. The Cardinals 10 and the NHL, well, Chicago and Minnesota have tonight off. They'll be back on tomorrow, everybody. Officials are investigating whether the shooting at the LGBTQ plus club, Club Q, in Colorado Springs was a bias-motivated crime. Was it a hate crime? Hate crimes in Colorado are referred to as bias-motivated, according to the county's district attorney. The 22-year-old suspected shooter, who they apprehended while he was shooting, is still being hospitalized after being taken down by two club patrons. Now, Richard Fierro, one of the two who subdued the shooter, is a former Army major who served in Iraq. He said the violence and trauma experienced during the shooting was like that of a war zone. God bless him. And he said he asked one of the performers to use her shoe, her high heel stiletto, to apprehend this guy. And she stomped in his face. Wow. Heroes. All of them. The U.S. could face a crippling national freight rail strike. That's what we when we discussed this issue a few weeks ago. Our guest, who I'm going to get back on, said, don't celebrate too soon. Guess what? Rank and file members of the nation's largest rail union rejected a tentative labor agreement with the freight railroads. There are 12 unions that represent various types of rail workers in the United States. And this particular union represents the industry's conductors. All 12 unions have unions have now made this on new contracts with a total of four unions voting against their contracts. We are going to talk about that before the holiday because so much of what we depend upon is moved by the rail system in the United States, at least a third of our product. What will happen if they go on strike? What will happen if they go against the government and go on strike? Because that's not supposed to be something that they can do, but they just might do it because they still do not get sick paid leave or paid sick leave. Think about that. Laid off employees at Twitter's Africa headquarters are now accusing the company of discrimination and intimidation. The team, which is based in Accra, Ghana, has hired a lawyer and sent a letter demanding Twitter comply with the West African nation's labor laws. Those laws indicate they should be provided with additional severance pay and other relevant benefits in line with what Twitter employees in other regions will receive after massive layoffs at the company early this month. Elon Musk, by the way, is South African. He is from that continent. And those are just some of the headlines. And before we get to you, Pastor Stephen Thurston, an enrollment at an enrollment event this week, the Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle welcomed some of the more than three thousand participants in Cook County's Promise Guaranteed Income Pilot. Good for them. The participants who were selected by lottery are to receive their first monthly payment of $500 on December 15th. Good for them. Think about those one in four Americans who will not be having Thanksgiving this year because they cannot afford the meal, everybody. They cannot afford the meal. And let us... Uh, let us share our meals with some people and get people over to churches and to homeless shelters where they can get something to eat. Everyone, no one in the world should ever, ever, ever go hungry Thanksgiving or at any other time of the year. The teaching pastor of the Salem Baptist Church, we love you, and of course of New Covenant. So we've got the Meeks and we've got the Thurstons and we've got Reverend Stephen First and the second. You have your Facebook Live at 3 o'clock on Tuesdays. Will you have one today? 
yes, ma'am, I'll be free today to connect with the people on my page, 3 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, the page is Stephen Thurston. You, you want to be there. You want to get it. I'm going to give you some good tips for how to deal with some of the crazy people in your family for Thanksgiving. So make sure you tune in today. Hey, do not follow him on social media. He is too many things because he, he goes in so hard on everybody. We love Pastor I'm an Thurston. equal opportunity offender. Oh, my gosh. You, you don't mind. I said he doesn't mind going in. <laughs> but, you know, a hot dog. What do they, what do they say? Um, uh, hurt dogs holler. What, what is it? You know, something, you know, you, you only holler when you hit dogs holler. That's it. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. you know, you got to watch it. You know, <laughs> maybe I'm just being sensitive because I'm trying to get well myself, as my grandma, my Ellen, used to say. And I, I'll take that. But talk to me. What's the good news today as we go into this holiday season? Before I talk to you, let me reiterate something that you mentioned. We need everybody in Georgia to make sure that they're clear. Early voting starts. Uh, on the 28th, and the actual election day is the 6th. So let's make sure down in Georgia we get out to the polls and we make our voice count and heard. Uh, well, I, of course, I follow Dr. Shanita Knight, and she constantly reminds me to stay on top of protocols and procedures as it relates to COVID testing. Just got back from Africa the other week, and as soon as we landed a few days later, uh, one of the ladies sitting next to me on the flight reached out to me and said, hey, tested positive. And so we've mm. got to be in this mindset of continuing to put ourselves in position to be safe and secure, even as things have calmed down, uh, have they really? We've got to be on top of it. And so that prompted me to think about COVID in another context, Santita. That being the relationship context. And the good news today is that you can even COVID test your relationships. Mm. Listen, it's old news now that the pandemic has served as a snitch, exposing things and affecting things, especially relationships, both dating relationships and marriage relationships. And as the world has opened back up, lawyers and therapists and academics have begun to get a very clear understanding of the multiple factors that have fed into the COVID-19 breakup boom. Many people didn't recognize it, but divorces spiked once things started opening back up. For many people, for many couples, the pandemic provided the perfect storm with lockdowns and social distancing, causing couples to spend increased amounts of time together, which led to the unraveling of many of these relationships. You see, the previous separate routines that couples engaged in served to mask problems within relationships. And within a year of those routines no longer existing, many people were forced to face the reality instead of hiding behind the facade. Now, the pandemic took away some well-established routines that offered comfort, stability, and rhythm. And without those routines, partners were left with limited opportunities to seek other forms of support or stimulation beyond their relationships. And over the past couple of years, many people found themselves trapped, trapped in a situation where they struggle to cope with what's going on with them as well as what's going on between them. That lockdown was like a pressure cooker that never let any of the pressure out until recently. And so you might be saying, well, Stephen, what happened? Why did this breakup boom, this divorce boom happen? Things seem to be so good in so many relationships pre-COVID. 
so many couples seem to be on good ground. Listen, the pandemic led us to being in close quarters, which magnified our differences. And here's the problem with that. People weren't able to recharge the way they needed to. The pandemic also prompted more existential reevaluations of what and whom people want in their lives. Listen, with news of COVID deaths ever present, people began to recognize that life really, really is short, Santita. And they began assessing how and with whom they're spending their precious time. But here's the good news. Just because COVID snitched on the cracks and the imperfections in your relationship, that doesn't mean that the relationship necessarily needs to end. Too many of us are too quick to choose flight over fight. Mm-hmm. Post-lockdown provides a wonderful opportunity for many of us to reset our relationship and jointly create new ones or even better ones. So let me challenge you. Before you write that breakup letter, that Dear John letter, send a text message for those of you who are younger who just don't like talking but you like texting, or, or you sit down with a divorce attorney to file those papers, <laughs> I, I want you to first check your foundation. Is it good? Are there just normal cracks from life settling? Or did your cracks turn into chasms? This is important because what you're built on ultimately determines how long you're going to last. But beyond your foundation, here are a few other key areas that you might want to inspect. Number one, your communication. Lockdown, again, put many of us in flight, flight, or freeze mode, which led to the quality of of communication plummeting. I want you to create a list of grievances that COVID exposed and decide which are important for you as partners to discuss. Number two, check your emotions. The unpredictability of everything around us for the past couple of years has left many of us feeling overwhelmed and our priorities uncertain. I need you to accept that your partner is probably coping with life as best they can, especially if they're coping, coping in a way that's different than you. Remember, different doesn't mean deficient. It just means different. I want you to talk to each other about what overwhelms you and determine how you can best support each other. Number three, your energy. The social connections dissipated and flexibility came to a screeching halt. Many felt trapped, both physically and emotionally. I want you to tap into your inner child and begin doing things that cause both of you to smile, laugh, play, and even explore. Fourth and finally, connection. Your partner may seem like someone you no longer know or even like, if we're honest, causing you to drift away from each other. Intimacy and vulnerability have eroded throughout the pandemic period, and thus you and or your partner might feel excluded and rejected. How do you fix this? By showing appreciation for the little stuff and for the big stuff. Don't look to get the relationship to blossom again. So, If you've survived lockdown, but your relationship is in tatters, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not worth saving. Dramatic experiences stir emotions that can trouble any relationship. This is more about the circumstances than the individual you're in a relationship with. So go ahead, COVID test that relationship, Mm -hmm. and hopefully the report comes back that it's a positive relationship in spite of all we've been through over the past couple of years. I'm loving that. Today you will be on Facebook Live. How can we see you and at what time? Three o'clock Central Standard Time. If you miss it, don't worry. It'll still be there. You can catch the replay of it. 
Stephen Thurston is my Facebook page. I look forward to seeing you as I help you to prepare your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, and your mouth for that Thanksgiving <laughs> gathering. <laughs> Stephen with a PH, everybody. Stephen Thurston, the brilliant anointed one, reminding you to get involved and go on and vote starting November 28th down in Georgia. The voting ends on December 6th, but it begins on November 28th. Sending you much love. Sending my love to your parents and to the Meeks family. I love you, love you, love you. Happy Thanksgiving, my dear, dear baby brother. We have got, of course, Dr. Shanita Knighton. Of course, he just called your name, Dr. Knighton, because you've made such a tremendous impression upon all of our lives. Brilliant registered nurse, Ph.D., infection preventionist, and she is the executive director of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology Organization, the largest of its kind in the world. We are so excited to have you here today as we're going into this Thanksgiving holiday. We're seeing the... What, well, let me ask you, because I, I, I have... I have a lot of questions I can ask you. What do you want us to know going into this holiday season, into the actual holiday, practicing uh, yeah, what we, uh, so, uh, what are the practices we need to employ, <laughs> Dr. So I, Knight? I'm a, broken, I'm a broken record. I'm a broken record. I'm going to continue to remind Santita around very much so the importance of hand hygiene. I just want to stay there for a second and recognize that, yes, the needles move from 3 to 6% up to 20% of people that clean their hands correctly between, let's say, 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic. I'm sure those numbers have decreased again. But the importance of that um, is that as we continue to think through what we'll be doing during the holiday season and fellowshipping with our family members, some we see every day, some we haven't seen in a long time, some are traveling from afar, and just understand that just early on when they gave us the questionnaire of have you traveled within the last 14 days, have you you know, been in a facility that potentially it was in an overcrowded space. So there were all of these questions, right, that went into if our risk was going to be increased of contracting COVID. Well, we still have those same risk factors that exist, but it doesn't need to stop us from fellowshipping. So just as I mentioned, making sure that you are in a well-ventilated space, ensuring that Everyone that comes within your space is practicing hand hygiene, um, ensuring that there are resources around for them to practice hand hygiene when they feel comfortable, making sure that if you are allowing people to serve their own food, which I'll tell you, I've done this the last past few Thanksgivings, and I've been doing it before uh, the pandemic, and just reminding people, like, yeah, we might be saying the macaroni and cheese and the grains look good, but we don't want to talk hovering over the food as we're trying to collect food. So every year we actually embrace having that quiet time around the time for which we are receiving our food. We're also making sure that we're cleaning our hands before we are partaking and serving ourselves because everyone is going to touch the same utensils. So I always say clean your hands before you start serving food and make sure you clean your hands again when you're done serving the food just to ensure that if somebody missed their hand hygiene before they started, that you're at least protected before you start putting your hands on your cornbread. So those are a few recommendations that I would have. Also, as you can imagine, some families go out right afterwards and partake in Black Friday, which means that they might be in crowded lines and 
might be inside of crowded stores. I just want to um, remind people that when you are in spaces, especially during this season, for where immune systems are going to be lower, you want to make sure that you're wearing your mask and wearing it correctly. You want to also make sure that you're practicing hand hygiene. And, and just make sure if you can use contactless payment, then do so. But if not and you're using your card and you have to give someone your card or you're touching a pen pad, just make sure that, uh, sure that you wipe those things down because you have to realize that others have touched those same surfaces as well. So I know those are my detailed tidbits for today, but I'm hoping that it will help people to be able to lower their risk of contracting something during this holiday season. So just very quickly, I've got less than a minute here. Would you recommend having the hand sanitizer just, say, through all over your home? So that when people sit down at the sofa, not just in the restroom, but, you know, just at the food stations, do you recommend that? Absolutely. And even on the table for when y'all getting ready to play cards. And that's one of the things that we do. So occasionally we'll just tap the hand sanitizer. You might not pay attention to, let's say, your uncle or your aunt to accidentally just touch their nose. It's okay for you to go ahead and ask them to tap the hand sanitizer again because we touch our face about 2,000 um, times a day. Do you clean the hand, you know, the knob that you press down? Should that be cleaned? Should that be sanitized as well? Say that one more time about what to be sanitized. You know, the knob that you push down to get the hand sanitizer out, should that be cleaned as well, sanitized? So the thing is, is assume that any hand that's going to touch that knob is going to be dirty. So just know that the practice of what comes out is what's going to keep you safe. Okay. So should we just clean that hand sanitizer bottle, too? You can, but I'm going to tell you, it's more important than what's coming out of it and making sure it's adequately supplied. <laughs> Girl, you told you, I'm not paranoid, but you've made me very aware. We love Dr. Dr. Shanina Knighton. Hey, Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. That is her handle. Go there. Find out how we're going to get through these holidays safely. Wellness is your destination. Not illness, wellness. Let's talk about Georgia in just a few minutes on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Wow. That means it's 59 years ago today that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. There's still such discussion about that. I asked my mother some years ago what she felt was the most horrible thing that's happened in American history. I said, or just even in your memory, she said the Kennedy assassination without blinking. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, not Dr. King, not Malcolm X, not Medgar, no, 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 not RFK, no, no. She said his assassination kicked off everything else, and it absolutely destroyed our trust in in institutions, and everything came apart. God bless the Kennedy family. When you look at his record, he was such a progressive man. He was moving us 
off the Federal Reserve, uh, having a gold back, green back. Um, he wanted to expose these secret councils that run the world and on and on and on and on and on. And before he could do that, he was out of here. Wanted to get us out of these wars. Wanted us to wanted us to have progressive policies with Africa and and Southeast Asia and the and the so-called developing world. Having been in war, he said, "I don't want to see war ever again." And the colonial colonialism it should be a thing of the past. And maybe he connected that to the struggle that his forebears in Ireland had with the crown in England. That having been said, we lost a lot that day. But there's still there's so many lessons from John F. Kennedy that we need to we need to embrace, and um, and we should never forget him. We should never, never, never forget President John F. Kennedy. I'm Santita Jackson, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota. Let's talk about Georgia, everybody. Let's talk about Georgia. What? is happening in Georgia. We were not going to have Saturday voting. Now we're going to have it. And you need to understand, December 6th is the day, the last day to vote. But the fact is, it is, um, it voting begins on November 28th. November 28th. And why is this seat so consequential? You don't have to have a power-sharing arrangement between Senator Schumer and and Mitch McConnell. No, that would be over. He would have an outright majority, and he would be the Senate majority leader, and that would be it. Manchin and Cinema could be checked. If we want to get these court appointments through, all you need is 51 votes. Raphael Warnock is at 51st vote. We can just keep on going and going and going and going. There are reasons why Democrats still need to win in Georgia. And we still need to know Pastor Todd Geary, uh, Reverend Dr. Todd Geary, Esquire, Rainbow Push, and Senior Pastor of the uh, the Douglas Memorial Community Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Indeed, your immediate predecessor is the senator from the great state of Georgia. Welcome back. You know, I wanted us to dig deep into this today because it was very disturbing to me to find uh, Reverend Dr. Geary, number one, let's just start here, that many people do not know that they need to vote again that there is a runoff and what that means. Reverend Dr. Yuri, how can that happen? Well, there's... Uh, good morning, Santita. Thanks for good having morning. me. There, there's, there, there's always been this push to uh, get folks to opt out. Uh, and the best way to get folks to opt out of the, the election is to make it difficult by information changing, information being confusing, uh, information being incomplete, uh, sometimes um, in- information dripping out, right? So in the flow of what we do, or, or setting, or setting uh, a, a runoff date at a time when folks find it that there are other things that are prioritizing. The actual uh, day of the runoff being right smack dab when uh, Daryl Jones was talking about it the other day. I remembered from uh, my days in Atlanta, sure enough, uh, that date is sitting right smack in exam week uh, for the mm-hmm. Atlanta University Center. So a lot of the students who uh, would normally vote uh, during that, that window now have mm-hmm. to find another day. Actually, the week of the 28th as they come back from Thanksgiving is actually what we would call reading period. That's when they are and, preparing. And, you know, and in HBCUs, our reading periods are like three days. 
<laughs> you know, that, we right. literally right. come, we roll out of Thanksgiving holidays at black schools right into finals. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you yeah, you have you have a weekend to get ready for the finals because you should have been in class all semester. That is what you're going to hear from your <laughs> your professor. <laughs> I, 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 hello, can I get an amen? Oh, look, I, I'm not yeah. going to say um, much, but uh, that's that's exactly what I recall. Uh, you come back from Thanksgiving break sluggish, sleepy, full, bloated. And got to get right into studying for exams and writing papers, final papers. That's right. Are due the week of finals. And so it's a very uh, stressful time for many college students. Uh, and at the same time, they have to be aware of their civic duty. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's the, the ploy to say we've created this false framework. It's almost a, 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 a mirage. Uh, that we have to navigate intentionally, otherwise we get to the other side, and those who would be uh, the naysayers and the detractors from our, for our demands for uh, a more just voting system say, well, look, uh, we've already given you the opportunity. See, look, here are the dates. Early voting starts the 28th. Uh, the runoff election day is the 6th. However, if you missed the last time, you can't vote this time because we changed the rules, right? Or we changed where you poll, like we saw uh, last time in the presidential election. Or we've changed the hours. Or we've limited time, to your point. No Saturday in some places, no Sunday. So now you got to figure out Monday through Friday when you're working, trying to figure out child care. You've got other appointments that you have to keep, like medical appointments. All of that comes to play in the, in the normal operation of everyday lives, which means we have to be intentional. We being my clergy colleagues and other community-based organizations have to be intentional about being facilitators not only of uh, information, but sometimes even transportation uh, to be able to make sure that folks can engage in the franchise. It's a critical time. And if you're giving thanks this week as we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, be grateful that even though they change the rules, you can play the rules to your advantage, play it to win. But we got to be all the way in it down in Georgia because there is so much at stake and so much that can happen with a 51st seat that we could not get with a 50-50 tie. Mm, yeah, we've got attorney Aaron Connolly with us. And um, I know you all will be getting together as we look at the as we continue to look at the Supreme Court and a lot of the the challenges, challenges that we have on that court. You know, the integrity is being questioned now. And that's a very dangerous thing. And we can we can turn things around. But the the court needs to be cleansed. But we are now looking at, first of all, um, the opportunity to get that 51st Democratic senator. Attorney Aaron Connolly. Um, of course, Arizona and Nevada got us to 50, and that's great. But Chuck Schumer needs to be the Senate Majority Leader outright, right? And I mean, our court appointments, you know, as I started digging down and doing some reading on this, the court appointments, you need 51 votes, not 60, 51 votes. Um, and that is how. Uh, Senator McConnell has been able to control things because he has been the majority leader and he has not he has because we have not had an outright majority because we've needed the the vice president to break the tie that has compromised the Biden agenda, the progressive agenda. So talk to me about this 51st 
vote that we could get and why we needed Attorney Erin Connolly. I mean, because we're not talking about this 51st vote with the urgency with which we discussed um, Cortez Masto and, and Mark Kelly's seat. Glad about those wins, but we need, we really, 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 Attorney Erin Connolly, need this seat. We really need Georgia. We can't give up on Georgia. It was infuriating to see some folks say, don't worry about the Georgia runoff anymore when uh, the Nevada race was called. Um, Nevada, I'm sorry, I mispronounced the. Yeah, but, you know, I don't know what the deal is. (laughs) And, um, but it's, Upsetting to see see folks, um, you know, staunch Democrats, organizers be like, oh, we don't need that anymore. We absolutely need it. The difference between power and perception of real power in the Senate in many, many ways. As you said, we talked about yesterday the importance of our judicial system and the, politi- the political nature of it. In the For federal judges, we need... President Biden's federal judge nominees approved. We saw a <laughs> a horrible, horrible um, run during President uh, Trump's administration where Mitch McConnell pushed through under and unqualified federal judges through the confirmation process. And there has been a huge delay in that process in the last two years of the Biden administration because we don't have this 51 voting majority, right? And that that's crucial. We talked about how important judges are, not only to our, our rule of law and what, what is important for folks in, in these courts, right? We need people that are qualified, that understand the Constitution, that understand case law, that aren't uh, baby lawyers who have never been judges in their life and mm-hmm. have barely passed the bar, um, which was true for many of these Trump appointees. They were completely political. Biden's nominees, on the other hand, are, are qualified jurists um, and deserve to fill these vacant seats uh, in these federal courts. That's number one. Number two, it changes the balance of power and what's important for these senators. And we've talked about Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema and how much power, um, disproportionate power, they hold, they've held in the Senate because they can go either way. They can go with their corporate pharma buddies on the Republican side, sitting with Mitch McConnell uh, uh, in his state talking about bipartisanship and cashing their uh, campaign checks and counting on those Republican super PACs, or they can be influenced by uh, Reverend Warnock in the Senate. They can be influenced by um, the the new Senate senators coming in, like John Fetterman, who are going to fight for the people. And there are some areas where if we have 51 Democratic senators, there are possibilities that we can either take away the, the power of Joe Manchin and actually get something done on climate change instead of um, propping up the coal companies that employ him and his family and support his campaign. He's a, he's a mogul, a coal mogul. Why doesn't anyone ever yeah. mention that? I mean, okay. Well, you just, mentioned that, Santita. <laughs> and many and you just did. Many other <laughs> journalists that 
that connect those dots do. But meanwhile, he's living on a yacht, driving a Maserati to Capitol Hill Ooh. and voting against the people. Wait, everybody. Did, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it, it, Reverend Dr. Yuri, did you know he drives a Maserati? And I mean, no, wait a minute. I am not hating on anyone because people should be able to do what they want to do. I'm not mad at you. But that just clashes with this image we have of him before you continue. Attorney Connolly, did you know he drove a Maserati, Reverend Dr. Yeary? Well, you can't park a hoopty next to a yacht. <laughs> Girl, go on. <laughs> Don't pay any attention to this man. Can we mute him, board operator? Favorite can, can we? That's my favorite quote of the day. Uh, <laughs> but, and, you know, he's right. He's right. If you're if you're going home to your yacht, you want to you want to feel feel like the superstar senator that you are. And I just want to state for the record, he's also connected to the pharmaceutical industry. His daughter <sighs> works for the company that makes EpiPen. Right? Yeah. They price gouge that medicine, that life saving medicine. For many many cases, it's it's used with children. So it was so hundreds and hundreds of dollars, almost a thousand dollars for one EpiPen. So he he also sits sits with with the pharma folks pretty comfortably as Kirsten Cinema does. But if we have fifty one, those folks have less influence, right? It's not a an assumption that they will sit in the middle. There, we may be able to put enough pressure, given the fact that especially Kirsten Sinema is going to be up for a very tough primary re-election bid soon and needs to start thinking about that. My <laughs> knowing how, uh, how she's worked in Arizona in the past, she's going to start shifting, floating back, back to the center left a little bit. She's going to have to throw some, throw, throw some scraps. To, to the people to ensure that she's even in the conversation to potentially win that Democratic primary in Arizona. It's going to be rough. So there's a lot of political pieces that are at play here that bode well for Democrats if we can win Georgia. And the um, the issues that we, we have to make sure Democrats can vote and vote um well in Georgia, where they're not going to have their ballots thrown out, where they're not going to be questioned at the polls, where they're not going to be turned away. It's it's a it's a tough road. My hope and what we've seen in, in other runoffs, I'm not sure we're seeing as much attention on the ground. And I, I would love to hear from the folks in Georgia as we saw in the previous runoff. Right. We saw because there were two senators in runoff during during that period. So I, I hope there's enough uh, support that our brothers and sisters in Georgia are receiving on the national front to make sure we're knocking on those doors, reminding people of the nuances of voting in this special election and um, making sure that during a time of year where it's busy after Thanksgiving, people have been traveling, people may be getting sick, unfortunately, that people have enough time to to vote before that election day and they're not standing in line um, waiting to take part in democracy. So um, would love to hear from the, the folks in Georgia, but I think there is hope that Reverend Warnock's people will be extra excited to vote and Herschel Walker's folks will be. Um, they're excited, too. Part- I just want us to outnumber them. That's all. <laughs> yeah. But- I want everyone to be excited to vote, please. I don't want to stand it, and you, certainly you were not implying that, and I didn't infer it. I'm not trying to stand in anyone's way. No one is. We want everyone to equal act to have equal access 
to the vote. We should not have impediments to the vote. We should have open access to the vote. I don't care how you vote. I just want you to be able to do it safely. I want you to be able to do it. I just want you to be able to do it. Period. That's it. Let me go to Dynamo Dave, who has been waiting for a minute. Dynamo Dave, how you doing, sweetie? Hey, how's the uh, sunshine sweetheart of Illinois doing today? Oh, I'm just in love with my Dynamo Dave. You just make my oh, day, Dynamo. <laughs> hey, a um, couple comments. One, <clears throat> um, the... Historically, first of all, I hope, yeah, the Georgia goes swings Democratic. Um, but it's just, we look at just the last two years, and, and I do believe Mr. Biden has accomplished a significant amount. But the Lewis, late Senator Lewis's act about voting rights and stuff like that, I just, it's, it's a mystifying to me why that can't just be like an executive order. And then oh, uh, and it could like, be. I mean, it could be. Yeah. Why? It, it's it like, why doesn't that occur? It's just bizarre. I think it has something to do with the corporatocracy. I don't know, but it's just weird. Well, hold on one second. No, and stay right there, the Dynamo. Point. I don't want you to leave yet. Sure. I don't. I mean, why? Just give me a quick, uh, Reverend Doctor Yuri. Why do you think that you know he brings up, you know, these these acts that we we were hoping would be passed into law. They could be executive orders, which means they would last, you know, they would they would be active throughout his presidency and then they, you know, they lose. Uh, they, they would not be active after he's president. But I mean, just to get the voting rights and to get our uh, to get the justice and policing. Why do you think that they have not been signed uh, as executive orders? And then I'll get right back to you, Dynamo Dave. Well, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, uh, I don't believe that simply signing an executive order gets you out of the woods. I think it, it encourages probably more litigation to prevent its enforcement. So you would probably see a challenge to the president exceeding his executive authority. Uh, and with He's seeing that already probably, with student loan debt. Well, he, he's seeing that right and, now. And, and, Exactly. And student loan debt, he's not been able to implement. There's a stay and a freeze on the processing while it navigates through the courts. And so many people are, are believing that it is, for the most part, effectively dead. Right. The one one way you go at it is uh, making sure you can get legislation through. I think the bigger question for me, at least, is if you get this 51st seat, do you get to modify uh, the cloture rule? The, the, the filibuster rule, if you will, where you need 60 votes to move legislation uh, unless there is uh, an economic uh, benefit that's in it, where you use the, the, uh, the, the fiscal rule. Uh, and so that's that's what I am looking at with this 51st seat. It's not so much what the president will or will not do, but what you what the people's representatives can keep from the president having to even worry about. Put something on his desk and make him sign it as opposed to putting something out there. And then you spend a lot of resource trying to defend it. And now it becomes uh, a foil to use to further frustrate the electorate. You're not going to get Manchin to go forward, to uh, Aaron Connolly's point. I wonder, as Kirsten Sinema is approaching her own reelection, is she likely to have some modification to the cloture rule to pass certain types of legislation if we get the 51st seat? And then you can afford to lose Manchin, at least on those votes, or if he decides to turn independent in caucus with the Republicans. 
you can still get something done going into the 2024 election when the Democrats have to protect 23 seats and the Republicans only have to defend 10 in the Senate. But, but you know what, Reverend Dr. Yuri and Attorney Connolly, we need to really press and make an issue of this 51st seat because it changes the Senate committees. They get an extra vote on the committee. Everything changes with this 51st vote, not with the 50-50 split. The 51st vote is extremely consequential. We'll be talking about that more in the next hour. But it's extremely consequential, and it is unsettling to me, disturbing, yes, um, for us not to be discussing that uh, with with more seriousness, and it needs to be louder. Attorney C.K. Hoffler joined us. I have two minutes before we go to break, Attorney Hoffler. This 51st seat will change the Senate committees. You get an extra vote on the committee. Chuck Schumer becomes the outright Senate majority leader. He does not have to negotiate with Mitch McConnell anymore. This is a big, big deal. And the 2024 map, quite frankly, for, for Senate Democrats is going to be tougher in 2024. Attorney C.K. Hoffler, we need this 51st seat. We all do. Two minutes. We, we really do. Um, Santita. And, and to everyone else on the panel, Aaron and, and uh, Todd, Dr. Todd Geary, I have to say, um, it is critically important. And I don't just say that because I'm in Georgia, but I don't think it's being discussed because people are so desperate to ensure that Herschel Walker not be the next senator from the state of Georgia and that Senator Warnock continue on what has been a very, very strong journey. But it is critically important that he win because that will neutralize the effect of cinema and mansion. And as you said, Santita, that will give us the power on the committee to really be able to do the business that this administration must do. There's so many people that need to be confirmed in the pipeline, so many things that legislation that needs to be passed, and we need that 51st seat. Period. End of discussion. So vote, 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 vote. And if you're in Georgia, you just vote for Senator Raphael Warnock. Like your life depended upon it because your life may very well depend upon it. I think it actually does. Everybody call us at 773-763-9278. Dynamo Dave, I missed you, sweetie. I was trying to get the last comment from you. 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about Georgia. There's a lot at stake here. And, um, of course, independent media, progressive media, we're letting you know what's at stake. The extra vote on the Senate committees. We're not hearing them talk about that. We're not talking about the outright Senate majority uh that is that would be Chuck Schumer's. He would not have to negotiate with, with Mitch McConnell anymore. He wouldn't have to. A lot changes with this 51st vote. There would no longer be this 50-50 power sharing agreement between McConnell and Schumer. That would be over. It would be over. You have an extra vote on Senate committees. You would be able to get these judicial appointments through. Yeah, all that, all that. So we need this 51st vote. But people need to know. A, that they start voting on the 28th and the vote ends on December 6th. They need to know that they need to vote again. That November 8th was not, that was the end of the beginning, not the beginning of the end. Okay? So we got to get the word out, but we need to know what's at stake here. Call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Let us be mindful of the fact that one in four Americans will not be able to afford a Thanksgiving meal this year. 
If you can, share a meal with someone. Check on the elderly. Check on someone you might think might be alone. Just check. But also, uh, churches, homeless shelters, there are so many places where people can go get something to eat. Please do that. Let's look out for each other, everybody. And let's work out these structural inequalities that make make it possible in the richest nation on earth for one in four Americans not to be able to afford a Thanksgiving meal. Wow. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you. On this Thanksgiving week, praying for all of you, hoping that you have a wonderful holiday. Please reach out to someone. Somebody's lonely. Someone's going to be lonesome this holiday, and they shouldn't be. Try to bring them in. Think of the one in four Americans who cannot afford to make a Thanksgiving meal. Times are tough out here. So let's contribute to our churches and our organizations so that we can ensure that as they have these meals and prepare these meals, that they'll be able to afford to do that. Think about someone other than yourself. In this holiday season, I know it's tough. It's tough for everybody. But, you know, and sometimes what you need to do is chop that turkey up just a little bit more and share. That's what we have to do. A lot more of that. And um, maybe that's God's way. I'm not mad at God for anything that God allows me to live through. I'm Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today. Call me at 773-763-9278. Call and let me know what your Thanksgiving plans are. And let's talk about Georgia. Let's talk about the reasons we need this Raphael Warnock win. Everybody thinks that everything ended in Arizona and Nevada. It did not. In order for Democrats to really do the things that they need to do, that you need, that I need them to do, you need to have the 51st vote. That will enable Chuck Schumer to no longer have a power-sharing arrangement with Mitch McConnell. That will be over. You get an extra vote, an extra person on all these Senate committees. All of these things will end. You will have chairpersons outright, outright. Democratic chairpersons outright of these committees, and they'll be able to add people to those Senate committees. We'll be able to get these judiciary appointments through. On and on and on and on it goes. We're talking with Attorney C.K. Hoffler, Court TV legal analyst, chair of Rainbow Push, former president of the National Bar Association, Reverend Dr. Todd Yuri Esquire, Rainbow Push, senior pastor of the uh, Douglas Memorial Community Church. Indeed, his immediate predecessor is the guy we're talking about, Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock. That's right. That was his pulpit before. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Todd Deary took it over. And then, of course, also from Rainbow Push um, and a brilliant, brilliant political strategist and organizer, Attorney Aaron Connolly. Let's talk, everybody. I want you to call us at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about why this seat is so important, what needs to be accomplished in these two years that we have before the 2024 election. In Chicago, 50 degrees will be the high. It's a beautiful day and sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 36 degrees, partly cloudy. In the NBA, the Timberwolves are triumphant over the heat, 105 to 101, and the Bulls over the Celtics, 121 to 107. NFL, the 49ers bested the Cardinals 38 to 10. In the NHL, 
Well, Chicago and Minnesota will be playing tomorrow. The Colorado shooting officials are investigating whether the shooting at Club Q, an LGBTQ club in Colorado Springs, was a bias-motivated crime. That is what they call hate crimes in Colorado, bias-motivated. The 22-year-old suspected shooter, who was uh, overcome by the heroic uh, Richard Fierro, as well as one of the performers, he asked one of the performers, look, come on over here. Can you put your heel in his face? And that is exactly what she did, everybody. These heroes helped to stop what stop the massacre. Five people have died. More than 25 people were injured. Let's continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Colorado. And thank you, Richard Fierro, for being the hero that you are, a former Army major who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Indeed, he said it was like a war zone. God bless him. God bless him. But his heroic deeds saved the lives of so many. The U.S. could face a crippling crippling national freight rail strike soon after rank-and-file members of the nation's largest rail union rejected a tentative labor agreement that had been brokered by the White House, everybody. There are 20. 12 unions that represent various types of rail workers in the U.S., and more than a third of our products in the U.S. are moved on our rails. What's going to happen? We're going to see, everybody. We're going to see. We need, they need sick, paid sick leave. They need a whole lot of things, and all of these wealthy, these wealthy rail barons need to come through so that we can get our product through and and get these people employed, everybody. Laid-off employees at Twitter's Africa headquarters are now accusing the company of discrimination and intimidation. The team, which is based in Accra, Ghana, has hired a lawyer and sent a letter demanding Twitter comply with the West African nation's labor laws. By the way, Elon Musk is African. He is from South Africa. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. But let me give this to you. You know what? We're talking about financial freedom on the Santita Jackson Show. And I want you to reach out to Team Hochberg, 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, and find out about reverse mortgages. Find out why you should get a credit card and not use your debit card. Find out how you can move from a debit card to a credit card. All you need is a plan. Find out how you can wipe out your credit card debt. Don't you call that credit card company. Let Team Hawkburg do that. Let them do the negotiating. That is what Tom and Sonia did. Two kids, 17 credit cards, a mortgage they were barely able to pay, and on those 17 credit cards, $100,000 worth of debt. And you know that's somebody I'm talking to right now. People are buying their groceries on their credit cards. They're putting their mortgages on their credit cards. Well, Team Hockberg was able to stop the hemorrhaging for Tom and Sonia. They brought down their credit card payments by more than $2,800, and they were able to save their home. That could be you. Go to 56david.com, 56david.com, or call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, and get on the road to financial freedom in this holy season. Let's get right to it, everybody. What is going on in Georgia, and why aren't we really, really, really talking about it? We act as if, okay, the Democrats won next Next, 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 let's move on. No, it's not that simple. We've got Attorney Aaron Connolly, we've got Attorney C.K. Hoffler, and Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary. Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary, um, well, you know what, before I go to the callers, let me go to Jewel from New York. Is this Jewel? I know you're not going to be shy on me, Jewel. <laughs> How you doing, sweetie? Uh, What's yeah. going on, sweetie? Happy Thanksgiving. 
Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving once again to you and your family. It's such a blessing. It's such an honor and a privilege to have this conversation this morning. I just want to reinforce once again, I'm here in New York, and we're praying for the, the families in Buffalo with all that snow. Oh. And, um, and I just want to beg our brothers and sisters in Georgia to please take the time out, make a voting plan, and get to that ballot. Because their vote is it, it, it's so crucial for us to be able to get the things going forward. And with the little time we have and what we've seen already, it's very important, it's extremely important that they vote back again. And um, they don't even know that. That's why I made sure I woke up this morning to be able to say, please vote again, Georgia. We really need your vote. We're really counting on you. Amen. Thank you so much for well, Stay right there, Jewel. Before, before, well, no, because you know I love you, Jewel. Stay right there real quick. Did you know that if Raphael Warnock wins, if Senator Warnock wins, that the power-sharing arrangement with Mitch McConnell would be over, that would enable... Chuck Schumer to outright be the Senate Majority Leader, he would not have to he would not have to negotiate power with McConnell for two years. But did you know that? I mean, it's amazing what we're not being told, right? That's exactly right, and I'm glad. I'm so appreciative for you uh, uh, bringing that to the to the to attention because that that wasn't really um, that wasn't really laid out. I mean, it's it's amazing, you, and you you just heard Reverend Doctor Yeary, you just heard Jewel say. Wow. I mean, it's a wow moment that we should be hearing on all of the morning shows. I hope they're talking about it locally down in Georgia. Let me hold on before I go to you, Reverend Dr. Yeary. I mean, is anyone talking about that, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, that there would be no more power sharing with Mitch McConnell? No, that would be over. Mitch McConnell would have to go on to be the minority leader and just figure out his 49 votes. I mean, is anyone talking about that down there in Atlanta? You know, we might not have we might not have her in a good area. Reverend Dr. Yeary, no one's talking about that. That's a big deal, Reverend Dr. Yeary. It is. I think there there's a reason that uh, folks are shying away from it. because you have so much uncertainty from uh, this current Congress that is coming to a close with the 50 50 tie. Uh, you, you go into the power sharing agreement argument that still hinges on Manchin staying put. Mm-hmm. Manchin's not been clear on what his commitment's going to be. 50-50? You're not clear. Does he caucus with the Republicans and make it 51-49 in the other direction? Mitch gets the, the gavel. Or if you go 51-50 with Warnock, does he shift? And, and, and then it's 50-50 tied, but you still have a power-sharing agreement, even though Chuck Schumer has the gavel. Then you have cinema in the, in the catbird seat in terms of uh, controlling what happens. But then you also have 22 other senators who are up in 2024 that may or may not hold or toe the party line. So there's a lot of uncertainty. I think the real issue is that there's no uh, continuity within the Democratic caucus on the Senate side. But to your point about the real important piece about chairing the committees, controlling what comes up in committees. And the extra vote on the committees. Know, and that extra and vote, an extra, Reverend. Here's the check, though. Here's the check. The extra vote helps, but control of the gavel is critical when it comes to Mm -hmm. procedure. Because if you have the Republicans controlling the committees on the House side, and you've already seen that chaos is about to break out like a rash in the summertime in a field of poison ivy, 
that mm-hmm. this is going to be a chaotic scene on the House side. If you don't have a check on the Senate side with its hearing authority, with its oversight authority, then I think you're going to run into this issue where you will definitely have a stalemate where the president can't do anything. And that may be the one scenario where I think executive orders may be the way uh, that he has to move some of this. But the problem is it's not etched in stone and it's certainly going to be tied up in court. So knowing the rules, here's the first rule you need to know. You cannot play Monopoly just by picking a piece and looking at the board. you got to roll the dice. If you're, on, if you're not going to roll the dice and put your, your name in play in this election down there in Georgia, call your friends, your family members, your cousins, your play cousins, all of those folks that like to send you stuff that you don't want for Christmas, give them an early gift that will keep on giving and tell them the 28th is their day. Early voting mm-hmm. starts then. December 6th is the election day. you got to get out because otherwise the chaos that would break out around the issues that matter to most people will be in control of those who make it possible for a guy to pretend he's a Democrat, live on a yacht, and drive a Maserati to work every day. I mean, you know what, as a Democrat, you could live on a yacht. You could have a Maserati. I just need you to vote for the people who send you there. That's all I want. I am not mad about anyone at individual wealth, but if you put your private wealth over my public health, i got a problem with you, and that is what Mr. Manchin is doing. But this is wrong, and we need the extra votes on these committees. We need those extra seats. That's We need all of it, and we need to make it clear what the stakes are. Those are the stakes, Attorney Aaron Connolly, among others, in this race. I mean, it just, we just, but we stopped at Nevada, and at Arizona. Just stop right there. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. We need this 51st vote here, but no one, but we, and we have to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about what they're not talking about. We have to talk about it. Well, they don't want to rock the yacht. <laughs> <That's what laughs> <Reverend Gary said. laughs> they don't, they don't want waves good. coming over, over the bow of the yacht, right? Um, and there, there is a lot of stake in a delicate political climate here. And I think that's why we aren't seeing this huge rallying cry like we did the last time when we had um, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff um, in, in a runoff election. Right. So we um, we have to do that. The organizers have to do the hard work and the heavy lifting as as usual. I mean, let's be real. Um, so the tech mm-hmm. banks reminding folks who voted to to turn out to vote, getting their plan to vote. As Reverend Uri said, you can start voting early voting on the 28th, making sure that that early vote period is 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 full and it's not an overwhelming situation on Election Day. There's things that that, that we can do that folks in different states can do. Phone banks, text banks. Take a weekend trip to Georgia, get out of that snow, <laughs> knock on some doors with your cousins, with your friends, with your fellow organizers. But the the corporate media is, is not going to, to frame this and tee this up in the way with the same sense of urgency that we know is necessary because of this delicate political balance. There is a risk that Manchin could caucus with Republicans. You know, he, he's aligned with them on many issues and they share a lot of the same donors. There's uh, realistically, you there's know that what? issue with Kirsten Sinema as well. So we ha- Aaron, let them go on and do it. Please do it. At some point, we cannot be afraid of these people and what they are inclined to do. They are holding I, us hostage. I agree. And you know what? If they want to go on and caucus with the Republicans, which is what they do anyway, go on and do it so I can vote you out. Thank you. 
I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Do what you do what you're going to do. Stop I playing agree, these games with me, Mr. Cole. But that is that is the game. You know, and, but you know, and, and that is a game. I think that either we're falling for it or we're cooperating in it, and we're corroborating, okay, and collaborating, because the things you need to tell folks at some point, like your parents, if they really care, they tell you just go on and try it here. Oh, one of my brothers broke curfew, and you know what my mother did? <laughs> oh, she put on the back porch a nice big box, and she put a blanket and a pillow. And she dared me to go downstairs and open the door. <laughs> I was like, "Mother, you can't let him sleep in the bag." Oh, she's and I, you know, I was. Can I guess I which brother it was? No, I, he's on his way to Congress. He he kept throwing the pebble yeah. <laughs> the pebble at my window, and he was like, "Santita, open the door, open the door." I said, "Okay, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try." <laughs> so I'm okay. The problem is our bedrooms have to go, you know, it's like a, almost like a courtyard situation, and you have, our parents could always hear you walking down the stairs or coming up the stairs. So there was no hiding from them because their, their door was right at the, at the top of the stairs, okay? You had to pass them. And as I was passing the stairs, and I was trying not to move those stairs. I mean, you know, because it's an old house, I was trying not for you not to hear the, the wood floors, even with the carpet on them. My mother said, Santita... Don't you even think about it. I said, do not answer that door. So, I mean, hey, I couldn't do anything. I opened my window. I said, hey, but mom is up and she is waiting for you. So uh, <laughs> just forget it. My point is she did. She look, she said, don't play with me. She let him in eventually she said, but don't play with me. Yeah, you were going to sleep out here tonight, honey. Why? Yeah, I mean, and it was just, he was late for like five minutes. It doesn't matter. My mother did not play. She didn't play. And we can't play with these people, Aaron. I mean, we just, you know, and we knew not to try our parents, too. We, we really didn't try them because our parents did not play. And I think Democrats, we cannot play. If cinema and, and mansion want to play in that sandbox, let them go. Let and them I think go. We, I think. I think in many ways we're learning we're learning that tough lesson, right? That we, yeah. we can't just hope and pray that as uh, you know, since they have a D next to their name, that they're going to show up and do the right thing. Kirsten Cinema will be primaried, right? Period. She will from the left. Yeah. Arizona is demanding that, and and that's the accountability they're going to have. But in the meantime, we see the the previous generations that still hold power in the Senate in a a delicate balance of business as usual right and there is there is this trepidation as to not to rock joe manchin's yacht into the republican side and it's our job as activists organizers people to make those calls on the legislation things like that joe manchin blocked for example climate change actual um affordable prescription drug coverage for everyone, not just if you have Medicare Part B, not just if you're 65 and older, right? Those pieces of comprehensive 
compassionate policy that are really going to help the people are blocked by these folks. When we look at something like the earning or the earned income tax credit that took millions and millions of families out of poverty and would pay for Thanksgiving for these families that can't afford it. This is is why people don't trust corporate media. okay? because they're not discussing his daughter's role in keeping these drug prices hiked up. No one discusses the fact that he is a he is a coal mogul. No one discusses that, Aaron and Todd. No one discusses that. And that, for me, is problematic. And then we say, oh, no, they just might caucus with the Republicans. They're doing that anyway. Let them do what they're going to do so that we can live with the consequences of their votes, and then we can be inspired to get them out. You need to stop letting people play with you. These are One in four Americans can't afford a turkey this week. They're not going to have Thanksgiving. Well, these people are playing games with me, upholding the corporatocracy in the name of democracy. Are you joking me? We cannot afford them. They cost too much, Aaron and Todd. They cost too much. They're costing us too much. They're costing people lives. These Republican policies, I was reading a study, they're costing people lives. These corporate policies that conservative Democrats and many Republicans uphold, they're costing people lives. We cannot afford them. They cost too much. They cost too much. Let them go. What do they say, uh, Reverend Yeary, um, uh, let my people go? Well, my father would say, yeah, let Pharaoh go. How about that? Pharaoh, let my people go. No, no, y'all need to let Pharaoh go. Let him go. Yeah. How about that piece? Stay right there. We're going to be talking with John Nichols. He's going to join us. And Dynamo Dave, I have not forgotten about you, my sweet. I'm going to get you on the other side of the break. Let Pharaoh go. Let these folks go. If they want to go on and be with the Republicans, let them run as Republicans and be Republicans. Let them go. Tired of this. We're sitting up here getting played, having them yank Democratic policies to the right. Are you serious? No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No, I'm not a right winger. And I don't need to compromise with you and play with you. You Stop playing with me. Get out of here. Go. You go where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, Jewel and Takesha and Kenneth and L. Stanley and Jewel and ooh, ooh, and Andre and so many of you all. And this is Daryl. And Francis, Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia, Kathy, sending all of, and Paula, 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 sending all of our morning stars. Hey, Robert, so much love in this Thanksgiving week. Of course, it is Tuesday. It's the bottom of the hour. So that means we have got the national correspondent from the Nation magazine joining Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary uh, from Rainbow Push and the senior pastor of the Douglas Memorial Community Church, the iconic church in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, He was immediately preceded, interestingly enough, by Reverend Dr. Raphael Warren. Knock. That's right. So who knows what else <laughs> Reverend Dr. Yuri's going to do? And of course, uh, the brilliant uh, 
attorney Aaron Connolly, brilliant political organizer and, and, and analyst. We thank God for her today, and, and we thank God for you. It, this lay minister, he, he just doesn't have a license, Reverend Dr. Yeary. <laughs> I've, I've heard John Nichols go, the national correspondent from The Nation magazine. Let me bring up Dynamo Dave before I bring you on. Dynamo Dave, you wanted to finish your point, sweetie. What's on your mind today? Oh, hey, thank you, Santina. No, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm nothing further. Somehow I got disconnected. And, okay. and I just you want to say, you know... Uh, the whole corporatocracy thing, but and uh, just to historically, uh, you know, the Senate. Most countries have a a bicameral, not a not a unicameral system. We have a bicameral. Thankfully, the Senate has gone democratic to a degree. We need Georgia, of course, but uh, we should. I don't know what it would take to do a constitutional convention, but to get rid of. The uh, unicameral, uh, I mean, sorry, bicameral system, because, you, you know, there's been so much log jams happening. This nation would, most people, even if they don't believe in progressive politics, when they poll about certain subjects, they believe in fixing global warming and, and, and other mm-hmm. various issues that would make our nation great. And, and, and they're not, they don't buy into the whole corporatocracy thing. But, I, I, you know, I'm sorry this has gone beyond what you guys are talking about. But no, I no, no, no. Just I don't I don't think that you, you haven't gone beyond what we're talking about. I mean this is just this is all very, very important. I mean and talk to me. Um John Nichols what what is I think what is really stunning to me is the fact that so much of the importance, right, of this of this particular of this of this election, no one's really talking about it. I mean, it's just it's it's stuck to me. This sharing arrangement. I mean, talk to me. What what is going on here? Well, you have a power sharing arrangement because the Republicans won the House. Uh, look, that's the bottom line, and uh, that's on Democrats, right? They could have won the House. They failed, um, and they failed because they neglected and abandoned. Rural races, uh, especially where Democrats could have won, they also, you know, have historically abandoned the South uh, in recent decades. They have not focused on winning Southern races uh, where they could have won. Now, they've got an opportunity here in Georgia to focus on the South and to win an absolutely critical race. And this is a test obviously of consequence for control of the Senate, where the Democrats will have that extra seat. Very, very critical as regards how they deal with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Manchin being especially vulnerable at this time, some talk that he might switch parties. I don't think he will, but that discussion is there. So having Reverend Raphael Warnock becomes, you know, even if there's an outside possibility, becomes absolutely essential because it removes that possibility of a vulnerable Senate, a Senate that might have a member switch and then, you know, some sort of situation, maybe even two members where you don't have control anymore. So Warnock becomes absolutely critical. But there's something else that's really important about Reverend Warnock's race. This is perhaps the most important, and that is that it sends a signal to folks in the South who have been neglected by the Democratic Party. Democratic candidates don't go to, to southern states when 
candidate running for president. Democratic candidate, Democratic Party doesn't fund candidates who are running for Senate seats and for governorships and key races in a lot of southern states. This is a message that the Democratic Party actually is interested in the South, that it's ready to do that old 50-state strategy, that it's ready to come into places and build something up and do something real. Starting in Georgia, right? If Warnock is reelected, Georgia has two Democratic U.S. senators. That's an incredible thing. It's a major, major reality. There's no other southern state, at least, you know, depending on how we count Virginia these days, but no state in the deep south that um, we have this circumstance. And then if Warnock wins, the message should be, let's find the next southern state where you can win two senators, right? Let's take a look at Mississippi and understand that Mississippi is now voting more Democratic than some states in the West, in the Midwest, right? And so why isn't the Democratic Party coming in there and building up a circumstance where Mississippi, a state that not that many years ago elected Democratic governors and has had Democrats in viable races for statewide office into recent years, why isn't that money going there? And why aren't we building up Kentucky? Kentucky not being a southern state but a border state. But why wasn't Charles Booker given the support he needed? Um, So a lot comes out of this Warnock race. But we need to be very, very careful to remain tightly focused on this race right now, right? Because it's that situation where if we start talking about all these other concerns, if we start talking about all all the other things that might come of it or might not come of it, we lose sight of the opportunity that is right before us. And so focusing back into Georgia, Reverend Raphael Warnock can win this Senate seat. There is simply no question of that. The only reason that he might not win it is if people don't show up on no, on December 6th. It's as is there a push? As and it well, is there a, a push mission. from the Democratic Party to push people starting November 28th? I mean, are you seeing that at oh, all? I think so. Yeah, without a doubt. Yes, without a doubt. There's major efforts, to, uh, definitely major efforts to make sure that, that the turnout occurs. It's just a question of whether it's the right effort, right? And this is, a, oh, this is always a subtlety, right? It, the money, there'll be money there. Reverend Warnock will have the resources for TV ads and, and does already. And there'll, there'll be a lot of resources. There's little doubt of that. Um, but what I worry about is that the resources go to the groups, to the organizations on the ground that really do know how to mobilize people, that really do know how to be, get people to the polls. And this is essentially one of the subtleties that you'll understand having come up not only in politics, but also in the church. Right. Mm. Um, one of the realities is that we are coming. I don't know what all this sound is in the background. Uh, yeah, I'm just about to say I'm hearing something in the background. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Like somebody's cooking okay. breakfast, maybe. But uh, but uh, having come up in the church and in politics. Right. Two separate worlds, but yet worlds that intersect. Um, this is something we understand. We are coming into uh, a season in which people are drawn away from a lot of worldly affairs, right, and and drawn into their family, uh, their faith, uh, the wonders of the holidays, right? We have Thanksgiving coming up in a couple days, and then we begin Advent. We head toward Christmas, uh, and and a lot of people, you know, are, especially after so trying and traumatic a year, so many challenges we've been through with COVID, with uh, you know all the political churn of this time with economic uncertainty. There's a lot of people who say, well, you know what? I really would like to, to give myself over to this holiday, to, 
to my family to this, you know, to thinking about uh, higher, higher thoughts, higher spirits. One of the things that has to happen is that in communities in Georgia, people have to get that message, right? That that their work, the work that they have done, that is so vital to everything about their life. Uh, leading up to November 8th, when Reverend Warnock made it into the runoff, it isn't complete until December 6th. And even though we have so many things pulling us in other directions, so many good things pulling us in other directions, right? So many good reasons to turn our attention elsewhere. We have also a duty to keep our, our focus on this election. And the way for that to happen, the way for that to happen, always proven again and again and again throughout history, is not to be obsessed with a lot of TBS. TBS can be helpful in politics, we understand that, but to be obsessed with the grassroots, with getting resources mm-hmm. down into the neighborhood, into the community, in Atlanta, in Macon, in Augusta, in Savannah, in community after community, and I'm talking down into rural communities and small mm-hmm. towns, finding the people who can make sure that their sister and their brother and their daughter and their son get to the polls. I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, I met a woman who is from the Atlanta area. She was telling me about the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. Remember that election that was won so very narrowly by Joe Biden. Breakthrough victory in a southern state. She was telling me she was working at a historic black college. And she was outside the polling place by the college. And young people, students who go in to vote, and they'd be told, well, you're not registered here. You're registered at home. Right. And and she this happened again and again. One young man came out. He said, oh, she said, did you vote? And the young man said, no, I couldn't. I'm told I'm registered at home. She says, where's your home? And the guy says, well, I live about 60 miles from here. And she said, give me your phone. He said, what? She said, give me your phone. And the young man respectfully pulls his phone out and she says, open it up. Find your mother's number. And they found his mother's number, and she pressed that button, and she says, tell your mother that you want to vote and that she needs to come and pick you up and bring you home for tonight and take you to vote, feed you a nice dinner, and then bring you back for school tomorrow. And the young man pressed the button, called his mom, and his mom said, I'll be there in an hour. And they did that again and again and again. Now, that's above and beyond. You understand? This is it's absurd that people have to jump through these hoops. It's wrong. It's this is part of voter suppression. But this is overcoming voter suppression. And so what I'm telling you is that experience with that young man and that woman working that polling place, that has to be repeated again and again and across Georgia so that no matter what is done to prevent this from happening is overcome and it does happen. And Reverend Warnock is able to get the vote that he deserves and also to get the vote that he can get. That's how important this is, but that's also the opportunity that exists to make this important reality something that can be accomplished on December 6th. John Nichols, national correspondent for The Nation magazine, everybody. We're talking about getting out the vote in Georgia. The vote begins November 28th. It ends on December 6th. Do we know what the stakes are? Do we know what it would be for Chuck Schumer to no longer have a power-sharing arrangement with Mitch McConnell? What would that look like? 
I mean, before I even ask, because I'd like to spread that around, let me start with you, John. I mean, what would that, this power-sharing arrangement, what has it cost Democrats? What about, what about that? Well, you know, to be honest, let's be, let's be clear about this. There isn't really a power-sharing relationship. It's not a formal situation because mm-hmm. Democrats have Kamala Harris, right? Mm-hmm. But because of Kamala Harris as vice president, they're able to split, you know, every tie, or at least, if there is a tie, um, in a situation where Democrats currently control the committees, right? Um, but Bernie Sanders is chair of the budget committee, as an example. Mm-hmm. They have uh, an ability to move legislation, right? If, indeed, it's, you know, they're in the right position, things they don't have the filibuster problem. But, of course, here's where the trouble occurs, and it does become effectively a, an informal power-sharing relationship. If Mitch McConnell, in the current Senate, if Mitch McConnell can convince one Democrat, one Democrat, to side with the Republicans on any particular issue, or to simply say, I don't feel like I want to go forward with this, then Chuck Schumer doesn't have the ability to do it, right? That's not really a power-sharing relationship. What that is, is a, you know, it's, it's blackmail, to be honest, right? It's a political blackmail. That's what and, it sounds like to and, me. And, and that's why I mean, I know it's not a formal power sharing arrangement, but right. agreement, but it's a power sharing arrangement. It seems that McConnell is in the way, John. Well, he is in the way on everything, because remember, on every issue we're talking about, every issue we're talking about, the Republicans, usually in a unified form, although sometimes they may, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski might do the right thing. But essentially, usually a unified block of Republicans says no. Okay, when they say no to economic and social and racial justice, to saving the planet, to moving toward peace, when they say no, um, if one Democrat goes with them on any particular issue, they have the power. Right. They've got the ability to dominate that that circumstance. And everybody knows that everybody understands that reality. That is the arrangement, if you will. And and so. When we come back to Reverend Warnock, why Reverend Warnock becomes such a significant candidacy, right? He is in the Senate now, but he is seeking to serve a full six-year term. Why he has become such an important candidacy is because it moves you one step in the right direction, right? So no longer are you in a situation where if one Democrat goes wrong on an issue, Mitch McConnell's got the upper hand. Now you've got that that one-seat advantage. Is it sufficient? No, it's not sufficient. The fact is, if Mandela Barnes had been elected in Wisconsin, if Cherry Beasley had been elected in North Carolina, if various other folks had made it across the line, then Chuck Schumer, the Democrats, would have a much better situation. They'd have a much clearer upper hand. But I will ask you this, Santita. I don't know if you've ever played cards, right? Not really. But if you have played cards, what? Not really. Have you? <laughs> Not really. Nor I. I'm, I'm a. I witnessed it when my mother plays bridge, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, here's the reality of when you're playing cards. When you've got a hand in a in a card game, we won't even go into the games because we don't want to confuse anybody here. But you're in a card game. You got you got a hand. Um, would it be great to have every great card? Would it be great to have you know all the kings and queens and aces and you know everything you needed to to prevail in whatever game you're in? Yeah, of course it would be. But the fact of the matter is you might win that game by having a seven when somebody else has a six. Mm. Right? Well, Raphael Warnock, Reverend Raphael Warnock, gives Chuck Schumer a seven when Mitch McConnell's got a six. 
And so it's a winning hand. And in politics, you know, sometimes your winning hand is big and sometimes it's small. But in this case, it could be incredibly definitional when we have a Supreme Court choice, like another Katanji Brown Jackson, Justice Jackson. Uh, when we have federal court picks, when we have ambassadorial picks, when we have regulatory commission picks, all of these important positions that Joe Biden has to fill and will have to continue to fill, if you've got that extra vote, that's incredibly significant. Also, the fact of the matter is that when Republicans in the House try to attack uh, budget items, when they try to undermine spending and funding for you know everything from Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid to the new programs for, you know, child tax credits, things like that. Whenever they, when the Republicans in the House try to say no to things, you got a Senate that can clearly say yes. And that Senate clearly says yes, of course, there's going to have to be negotiations. That's the reality of the, the power sharing between the House and the Senate. But when the, when you've got a Senate that can clearly say yes, and isn't afraid that it's going to, you know, stumble into a situation where it doesn't maintain its majority, um, that makes it much easier for Chuck Schumer and for Joe Biden to negotiate with a Republican House. And so at the end of the day, so much good politically comes from having that one seat advantage. Again, in that card game, it's, it's that you've got the one better card. And the fact of the matter is that that can be obviously you can win the whole you can win the whole thing sometimes if you just if you got that one better card. But if you don't have it, you're much more vulnerable. So, I mean, this isn't complicated stuff. Politics is never really complicated. It's, it's always easy. It is a competition for power. I hate to say it. I wish I could make it more noble, but that's the reality. It's a competition for power. And in this circumstance, if the Reverend Raphael Warnock would be defeated, defeated by Herschel Walker, uh, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, the Democrats would have less power. And that power, if you happen to believe in the Democrats, if that's your political choice, uh, lessening their power, uh, very possibly lessens the ability to defend uh, all sorts of programs that, that I happen to think are incredibly necessary. <clears throat> Reverend Dr. Yeary, how do we get the vote out? Of course, he, of course, uh, John Nichols. Uh, is in the pulpit that was occupied by Reverend Dr. Reverend Dr. Warnock before he moved to Ebenezer in Atlanta. And, of course, he's been the vice president of Rainbow Push. And, of course, Aaron uh, is a brilliant political organizer. Just how can we get out this vote? We don't even have two weeks. Well, if you're in Georgia, vote uh, and take somebody with you to vote. Uh, November 28th starts the early voting window. If you're not able to vote during early voting, then you've got to make it a priority to vote on December 6th. If you're not in Georgia, but you know somebody in Georgia, or even if you don't, call somebody in Georgia. Reach out and be part of the phone banking efforts to try to get out the vote. Uh, make yourself available for an hour, for two hours, for 30 minutes, uh, just to make calls. Uh, there are ways to connect with the campaigns, with the uh, grassroots organizations on the ground that are working uh, to help get uh, the vote out. Do what you can to get the message out however you can. But I want to go back and, and make sure that we understand the why. Senate Resolution 27 is actually the resolution that set the parameters by uh, unanimous consent in the Senate about how the Senate would operate. That is the power-sharing agreement for the 117th Senate. Uh, in that process, it says that there's equal representation on the committees until and unless, this is important, 
there's a shift in the dynamic. That's why you cannot go in or come out of this one 50-50. 50-50 with Manchin facing re-election in 2024 in a state that is overwhelmingly red and that you have a presidential election. It's not an off-year election this time for Manchin. Uh, so the presidency will be in play. What that looks like when you've got to protect 23 Democratic seats to only 10 on the Republican side is you got to cover all your bases. Is it convenient? No. Is it annoying? Absolutely. But you've got to trust but verify. And as we've seen in the first two years of uh, President Biden's administration, of the Biden-Harris administration, Joe Manchin has been a foil to everything that has been progressive in his twin uh, Kirsten Sinema has come right along with it. You've got to anticipate the worst possible intentions coming from the other side and leave nothing to chance. You've got to go in 51-50 because if you go in 50-50, I'm not convinced with self-interest being on the ballot in 2024 for the upper chamber that you're going to be able to hold it. You may see a shift. And if there's a shift in the gavel, the, the agenda comes to a screeching halt with no reason for compromise coming from the House. That's an important thing to consider. And unless we're good with where things are until we see what happens in 2024, I would suggest that we put all of our attention and energy into getting Raphael Warnock to go back to the United States Senate. I think I think it has to be broken down. I've got about 30 seconds for you, Aaron, and then I'm going to let you close us out. John Nichols. Absolutely. We, we need this 51st vote, Aaron. We need it, and the way we're going to get there is with your help. So there's many of these wonderful organizations we've heard about on this show, on Reverend Jackson's Sunday show, that are calling voters in Georgia, that are texting voters in Georgia. You can go on mobilize.com and find one that works for your time schedule. You do not have to be in Georgia to do this. Many of you are experienced in making these calls and sending these texts and reminding folks that they can start voting on the 28th. And um, through uh, through Election Day in December. So do your part. Take a shift. Sit with your family this Thanksgiving and make democracy part of your family tradition as well. We really need that extra help. Buenos dias, Yvonne. I'm sending you much love. Call us tomorrow, Yvonne. The last minute and a half belongs to you, John Nichols. This is of tremendous consequence, this 51st vote. We're not done yeah, with 2020 do. yet. And now, 2022, now we're on to 2024. But first, we got some business right here. Well, the Reverend laid it out perfectly, didn't he? Because, <laughs> of course, this is what we're talking about. We are talking about a situation where, yeah, in the, la- in the Senate that is coming to a conclusion, Democrats have had a slight advantage. We should acknowledge that that's the reality. But it's been undermined by, you know, as we talk about these different variations, different thoughts about a power sharing. Um, but more than that, it's undermined by what's happening going forward, right? Because we're coming into a next election cycle. Trump is already running for president. Joe Manchin is already thinking about whether to re-election the U.S. Senate. There are so many pieces that are being moved on this board. What people need to understand is that if Reverend Raphael Warnock is re-elected in Georgia, the Democrats have an advantage. That advantage going in and organizing the Senate, absolutely. More importantly, they have that stronger position as regards negotiations with the House, as regards advancing the president's agenda. And one final thing, again, it's what I talked about earlier. 
the, Re- the Reverend Warnock's re-election in Georgia as a Democrat, one of two Democrats mm-hmm. representing the state of the U.S. Senate, sends a signal to Mississippi and to Alabama and to Louisiana and to That's South right. Carolina and North Carolina and Florida and other states. It says it is possible. It is possible to, to break uh, the old politics and to move mm-hmm. forward. Just imagine to have the pastor from the pulpit of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s church not just elected to the U.S. Senate, but re-elected and becoming the 51st vote for economic and social and racial justice, for saving the planet, for moving us toward peace. What a wonderful gift that is. Amen. Amen. And we can make it happen, everybody. Let us put our energy there, tell people what the stakes are. Let us get Raphael Warnock back in the U.S. Senate. It can happen December 6th. But the vote begins on November 28th, everybody. So stay right there. That is the best Christmas gift I think we could all get. Whatever, whatever your religious background, get in there. Listen, this is a holy season, everybody. 